Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner with Zion Hebraic Congregation. Today's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner, from Romans chapter 9, entitled The Fully Integrated Scriptures. You can find uh, archived Shabbat messages on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can also subscribe to our messages on your favorite podcast platform provider. Also on our website, uh, you can subscribe to my dad's blogs in the subscribe box, and there you will also find links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and well, let's turn to Romans chapter 9, and we'll have a word of prayer when we get there, and proceed. Good to see you. Uh, sorry about Paul and his mother. Prayed with him a lot last week about it. Honestly, I wasn't expecting it to happen so quickly, and, um, and others will be returning back to the flock in due time. All right, so you're in Romans 9. If you want, because we're going to be getting there, uh, go hold your finger here, put a finger in Genesis 17. And then we'll have prayer. All right, so Romans 9, Genesis 17. Let's pray. Father, just thank you so much for this time to be here and to just worship you, we thank you for our Savior, uh, Yeshua, who's just um, has made all this possible. I thank you that he, he did bear upon him all our sins, and um, we have forgiveness through him, and be made new creations, new creatures in, in Christ. And I thank you for that. I thank you, I don't know, Father, it seems the longer I'm saved, the, the more appreciative I am of an understanding of what... Un Yeshua uh, accomplished on our behalf. Thank you that you did love us so much that you sent your only son to die for us. And thank you that we can have new life in him. Father, I pray for Paul. It's a difficult time for him. Uh, the passing of his mom, just, just strengthen him only as you can. He was so distraught last week and facing the reality of this and now it's here. That's a lonely valley to walk, especially when a parent dies. I pray that you'll give him grace, help him to be a, a witness for Yeshua, give him the strength that he needs, and just bless him in, during this time in a way that he doesn't even know is possible. And so, just glad to be here. Bless as we look into your word. Thank you, you've given us your word. It's a light unto our feet and a light to our path, and it's alive and powerful and just penetrates right to the very core. And thank you that you can see what's going in our hearts and minds. And uh, you know how to make your word live within us. So please do that this morning in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so Romans 9, you know, like usual, I had like three sermons prepared. I even had one up to, up to this morning. So I have tons to say. I was going to come. I, I have tons to say, and I don't know what I'm going to say. And, and then... Out 
Well, I was reading, just reading for myself this morning in Romans, because this is now my third time through Romans, just been, just been, oh gosh, just blessed in, in reading Romans. You know, I, I was, it, I, again, this one, it, I, what made, Romans now is such a place of resting for me. You know, it's a deeply theological book. It's touted as Paul's most profound under inspiration letter. And the way it was presented to me anyway, growing up in independent fundamental Baptist and all that, which is fine, and I was one, and I don't deny it, and to many ways I still am. But, you know, you had to somehow piece together the pieces of Romans like you're supposed to piece together somehow the pieces of Revelation. Well, I've just been reading through it. I'm old enough now, been in this long enough, where I just don't even care how long it takes me to get through the Scriptures. I take my time. So I'm in my third time through. And I was thinking just the other day, this is amazing, the book of Romans. I mean, I, I, it's getting mapped out in my head. I can, oh, yeah, this chapter, and that's there, and this is here, and that's there. And, and I, I just, out of the blue, without even thinking about it, it's like, wow, this book has turned into such a great blessing to me personally. And so I was thinking, I don't, this is not a good illustration where I was going with this, I almost forgot. So when we lived in Arizona, in an apartment complex, they had that heated pool thing. Is that a sauna? Is that what that's called? What is that heated pool with all the jacuzzi type thing? You know, and you just go sit there, especially at night. It was so beautiful, the sky, you could see every star and, and it starts cooling down. And you're in that thing and it just wraps itself around you and the bubbles on you all over the place. And it's so warm and you just finally get so relaxed. And it's like, I don't want to leave this thing. And for some reason, that to me is what I thought of when I think about the Book of Romans now. You know, it's become this, what is a jacuzzi thing for me. So, the, the, so what I ended up wanting to say today was, Here's a title, for lack of a better thing. The Fully Integrated Scriptures. The Fully Integrated Scriptures. And what I mean by that is there's not this halfway over there that we kind of visit and pull out verses that we like, but the rest of it we don't deal with. And this is all, this really, this is, this is good stuff for us on the other side of the book. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never bought into that. I just didn't see that. To me... God said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, you know. And so I've always lived in the, the tension of being taught there's these two halves, and this side over here is great if you can find some verses that you like and even pull them out of context when they're speaking to Israel. But, you know, if my people, which are called by my name, and make all these promises yours, but those other ones you don't really like, that's okay, they've been done away with. Jump over here and get refreshed on the other side. I'd, I'd never liked that. I preached it, but I never liked that and really never believed it. And, and started to come to the place where we're all coming to, that this is a fully integrated book. You cannot separate it. You can't slice it and dice it. In my, one of my last blogs, you know, we've come up with this nice, neat little, this is why it's almost better for me to not have a message because I develop one as I go. But we have this nice little package of there's a moral law, civil law, and ceremonial law. And that's nice and neat and tidy, and I preached that. It just started to dawn on me. Nobody's ever made a chart. You make me a nice chart and show me how you've divided up the moral, civil, and uh, ceremonial things. So the ceremonial. And so I started to try to do that on my own to see if there was any validity to that. And then you start to find out you can't. 
if you'd say this is done away with in a ceremonial law, then some, it pops up somewhere else in the, in the moral law, which that's okay to follow. I can't do this anymore. You know, I couldn't do it anymore. That's why I resigned in part, because I had to find the answers to this stuff and come to the reality. This is a fully integrated book. And so with that in mind, um, my thought was I'm connecting the dots like never before and seeing as never before how fully integrated the scriptures are. And then another thought, we think we know the scriptures better than we actually do. And then I, I, I was reading that again. Then I put in one of those little carrot things. I, you know, for we, I think I know the scriptures better than I actually do. And that's what has been happening to me in the book of Romans. And actually in all of Paul's writings, because he peppers everything with passages from the Old Testament. Peter, all these writers, they do that. They just throw them in there. And if you read the book of Romans, they're everywhere. Why? Because that's the scripture that they had. And, and, and Paul is the emissary to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are poor schmucks. They didn't grow up in the Torah. They don't know anything. And now the diaspora and everybody spread out, and all these Gentiles are coming in, and they weren't blessed with growing up in a good, what we'll call good Christian home and already have a foundation. Those poor Gentiles are, kind of, Gentiles are like me. It's like, I, I didn't grow up in a good Christian home. I, I didn't know. I'm just all the lingo. I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, you're talking all this stuff. Cool, you guys got it. Let me in on the club. You know, those were the Gentiles in the diaspora. So Paul is trying to do two things. Get his people to realize you are not saved by keeping the works of the Torah and then help the other guys, the Gentiles that are coming. It's like, pay no attention to them. They're coming out of it too and they're just as messed up as you're messed up. I want you guys to know that Yeshua came and he was a Torah made flesh, lived it out. And he died to bring both of you schmucks together one day and one rod, and that's the new covenant. And somehow we've messed that all up. Somehow we have messed that all up. So we don't really know the scriptures like we think we do. Or I will say, I don't really know the scriptures like I think I did. And that really jumped out at me my third time through when I hit Romans 9, and that's why we're here. So let's see if I had anything else I wanted to say before we get going here. Um, So, uh, let's see. So, that what I want to do is, we're going to read Romans 9. We're going to read through uh, verse 18. Then, I'll say a few things along the way. We're, then we're going to jump back to context. Now, as I say, I'm usually the one that comes to the party late. So, you might already have thought through this stuff. But what I'm wanting us to see, I want us to see two things. You don't know the scriptures like you really think you do. Because we'll read through passages like I did, and I'm pretty sure I'm no different than anybody else. Oh, yeah, I know about that. Oh, yes, I know about uh, God coming to Abraham, and he's going to be a blessing to the nations, and, and you know, you're going to have this seed, and it's through. And, and, but then I've been, what I've been trying to do is to test myself. Okay, Warren, you read that. And you, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that story. But when you actually go back and read the story, Paul doesn't just throw these verses in 
just because they happen to fit in his argument. He's, he has a greater goal here. And, and, and by using these examples, he's wanting the Jewish people and the Gentiles to realize God has a plan. I lost my notes. He's, he's a sovereign God. Where is that note? I wrote a note. Where is it? Oh, all the examples in Romans chapter 9 highlight and demonstrate the sovereign power of God's supernatural elective purpose. You have Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Moses, Pharaoh, and then Sodom and Gomorrah. And Paul is trying to get through these examples that show God's sovereign, supernatural, elective purpose in the lives and history of his creation is to show that salvation is only in Yeshua. It's always been that way, always will be. It's always been that way. And so I, I want us to, to, to understand that these examples that are in here are for the purpose of demonstrating God's sovereign power, his supernatural, to fulfill his supernatural elective purpose. Everything I just said, I can't explain that to you. I can't define it. I can't make sense of it. But God is sovereign and he carries out his purpose according to his supernatural elective desire. And so let's go ahead and read. I want to just make sure because my notes are scattered because I just threw them together this morning. All right. Now let's just start reading. I was going to, I'll tell you what I was going to do. So you can also have this. I'm not going to do this. But I thought this chapter was a good illustration of trying to understand the family unit and how that, as parents, your children might not follow you exactly and might not even be... They might grow up and not accept Jesus as their Savior. And to have to maneuver through that territory within your own families, our own families. And so I think this is a beautiful picture of how to deal with that. Because on one hand, you have one child that's living for God. On the other hand, another child from the same family has nothing to do with God. And, and I entered into parenthood thinking was basically taught, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Good. <laughs> Guaranteed good, solid Christian family, and, and mine is, praise the Lord. But you, you grow up and you find out that's not always the case. As a matter of fact, I, I've said this before, you can make the case that God must be a pretty pathetic parent because he's had a whole lot of trouble with his children. <laughs> you know, he's had a whole lot of trouble with his children. I don't believe that he's a pathetic parent, but what I'm trying to get us to see is the reality of life. When God carries out his purpose, he can take one, he can take a lump of clay, as it says, and he can do whatever he wants with that one, and he can do whatever, that, what he wants with that one. Same lump, but it's for his purpose. All right, so let's just, so that's the idea of the family. You can put, stick that in your background because it deals with family in real life, but that's not where I want to go. All right, so I'm going to read, I brought my, my 1611 reproduction here because I, I, I like their chapter introductory notes. I'm going to read it. It's nothing revolutionary, but I like how they break it up and set us in a, a pattern. It says, Paul is sorry for the Jews, verse 7. 
all the seed of Abraham, see, this is good. All the seed of Abraham were not the children of the promise, 18. God hath mercy upon whom he will, 21. The potter may do with his clay as he listeth, as he will, 25. The calling of the Gentiles and the rejecting of the Jews were foretold, 32. The cause why so few Jews embraced the righteousness of faith. All right, now verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. He's trying to lay the groundwork here to get his readers, the Romans, who are probably a mixed congregation, Jew and Gentile, but like I showed you, kind of in one chapter, it says, all right, I'm speaking to the Jews, my, my brethren. You Gentiles, go get a cup of coffee. I think what he's trying to do here is soften the blow of, about, of what he's about to say because he's about to smack his own people upside the head. And if he didn't pave it in such a way that he's broken for his own people, acknowledges I am, they are my people, I am a Jew. Uh, you know, I'm, he gives his pedigree. I, I am you guys. So, for I could, uh, so that I have to, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Why? For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, there's a whole big discussion on, is he saying, yes, God, damn me to hell if that's what it takes, I'll do it for my brethren. I don't know that that's the case. He's willing to, I think the safe way to go anyway, is he's willing to be used to whatever degree or, to, or not, as long as God could use him to be the avenue that would bring his people to faith in Yeshua. So, I, I'm burdened, I'm broken over my people, my flesh, I, they're, they're me, I was them, I want them to be, I want you guys to be where I am. And, and I am so in earnest about this, God could do whatever he wants, as how he uses me to get out the gospel. So he was, he was beaten and stoned and just, you know, just went through all kinds of horrific stuff. Bitten by a snake and everybody thought he was going to die, shipwreck. He, he lists it all. And so, I, you know, I think God, God honored that request because Paul went through a lot for his people. All right, so, so let's go back to verse 3. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now he starts to ramp it up. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth... And I just stopped and meditated on this verse, you know why we, at least in part, should have a heartfelt love for the Jewish people that are lost and need Christ. You know, God did not make a mistake when he decided to pick those people. You know, and, and they don't even realize the, the wonderful lofty position God has put them in. Just look at the state of Israel now, and the state, I mean condition. Look at Tel Aviv, it's a disaster. The whole thing is a mixed hodgepodge of hedonism. Who are Israelites, verse 4, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the services of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers? 
and of whom as concerning the flesh Messiah came, who is over all, and he's God blessed forever. Amen. Now, question. Well, if this is God's, if God's so good and we're his people, Paul, you're trying to tell us something now that we're maybe really not? Verse 6, so he explains it. Relax. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. How does he explain this? For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. And I was reading that again today for the umpteenth time this morning. And, I, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, and you might not have experienced this as, as a preacher or a teacher with an audience. But, you know, you're going along and pretty soon everybody's distracted. That kid's making a sound. This kid's making a sound. They're nodding off. I, you know, I'm tired. I, you know, I worked late. I just had a heavy breakfast. And the audience, you, you know, people, the pig sitter people are just dropping like flies. And every once in a while, if they ha- you catch their attention. You don't let that happen. Animate yourself. Do something. And so to me, it was like, this is exactly how it was. I'm, I'm a, so this, this is being read. It's a mixed audience, Jew and Gentile. And who knows? I mean, now we're up to chapter 9, heavy stuff through there. If they read it straight through, I can imagine. You know, the guy up in the third loft, he's hot and tired. He just blew up, drops down dead because Paul's waxing eloquent for so long. All of a sudden, I think what is happening perhaps is, because I preach long sermons and you start losing people, he's going to wake them up. So he says... Um, not as though six, the word of God hath taken none effect, and they're not enough. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And like this morning, my head went, what? What did he just say? You have to put yourself in that position, sitting there listening to that. What did he even just say? <laughs> they are not all Israel, which are Israel. What? What do you mean? You know, you talk to Jewish people now, they're proud of their heritage. They're a Jew. They're an Israelite. You know, they're family heritage. And if I were to walk up to, like, the guy that I worked with in Arizona at the cubicle when I told him, you know, hey, by the way, did you know Abraham was a, wasn't a Jew? He's a Gentile. He looks at me with a scornful look. You know, what if I say, hey, you know what? You're not Israel. <laughs> How do you think that would have gone over? That's what Paul's dealing with. So we have to get into the context. And that's why Paul penetrates his writings with context. You just have to go back there. That place we know, we know it all, and we don't really want it all. Yes, I know that. Nice stories. No, you don't know it all. Paul's writing the Jews. I know it all. Paul, what are you going to tell me new? Go back and read context, he's saying. So that's where we're building. Oh, no, no, seven. Neither... I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm so excited by this because I've immersed myself in it. I'm just sitting there now in the crowd. I mean, I know what's coming. You know, you've watched the movie. The guy sitting next to you has not seen it before. You know in a half a second they're going to be scared out of their pants. And you're just kind of waiting and anticipating. They don't know. And whoosh! You know, I think that's what's going on here. And now he like double slams them. Uh, uh, seven. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children? What? What? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. 
Now he's bringing it down to familiar territory. And he's going to prove from his own, their own scriptures that they are in grave error. That they have built their religious world and hope on false works of the Torah. And he's going to do two things. He's going to dismantle them, but he's going to say, you know what? No works. No works. I don't care what you do, Paul's saying. It's not of your works. It's grace. It's God's elective purpose. He does stuff behind the scenes so supernaturally powerful. You can't even explain it. And you cannot explain that you are of Israel because you are the chosen seed. And that's going to get you in. Paul's saying, not happening. Thank you very much. Seven, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. All right, a little bit of explanation, Paul. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Whoa, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Well, they're sitting there saying, well, we're both. And he's saying, hey, no, you got it wrong. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. Now, this is where I said I'm always late to the party. I don't know how you think about this. I didn't think of it until I went back to the context. You might already be there, so forgive my, my de uh, delay in coming to this. But when I've always read this, uh, wherever I just read it, um, nine, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. I always just thought of like, in a little while, Caitlin's going to have a child. You know, he's just saying... Hang on, Sarah, I know you waited a long time, the child's coming. But I don't think that's what it's saying. Yes, that is true. But it just dawned on me, and this is where my ignorance comes, you know, I don't think things through maybe. But you know what? Ishmael's not her son. I mean, I know we know that. But I never saw it through her eyes. There's this son, Abraham, and she tried to get this, this help God along with this promise because it was taking too long. And so this cohabitation happens. Now he has Ishmael. And God comes along and says, hey, you will have a son. A son. She is going to have her own son. Her very own son. Now, to me, that makes this illustration where he's going with this very powerful because, wait a minute. Abraham already has a son. No, but Sarah doesn't have a son. Yeah, but look, Ishmael, he's of Abraham's loins, his flesh, his seed. Yes, but he's the child of the flesh, not the child of the promise. Sarah, I'm going to make myself cry. Sarah is going to have a son, and the son out of that. That's the one you could not wait patiently for me to fulfill, and you guys have just created so much trouble that you don't even know what you've done. If only you had waited. I told you she'd have a son. You have a son, she doesn't. You helped out, child of the flesh. I'm coming, I'm coming. It'll be the child of And these people are thinking, wow. We have our flesh. And you're saying we have our heritage and you're saying we're not? No, you're not the children of the promise. Nine. I already read that. 
And not only this, so now he starts to build. These are, these are what I said. Uh, these examples are highlights. Uh, these examples in Romans 9 highlight and demonstrate the sovereign power of God's supernatural elective power, purpose, meaning it's not of works, not of works. All right, now, so not only this, verse 10, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, parenthesis, for the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, and parenthesis, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. And as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Oh, I, I don't know if I did this. This was good. Let's see if I have it. Um, oh, it's in my other sermon on this. But the, there's three ways that this chapter is broken up. What shall we say then? Sort of things. All right. This is one of them. Verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will compassion. So then, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose I have raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. I just have to believe that the congregation that's hearing this are just torn when there's a little kid and the, the boy at the playground wasn't being nice. He couldn't understand. Big eyes and saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. He, in a few short verses, just fell the whole theological foundation. That is by faith, not by works, and it's of grace. So we have... Um, the verse that, that got me on all of this, for this is a word of promise, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. Go back to Genesis. And we're just going to read this. Hopefully, just read it. I want to read 17 and 18 because this is the context. All right. 18, uh, 17, 1. And when Abra Abram was 90 years old and nine... The Lord, Yehovah, appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham, Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Nations. So we have to understand it's already including, in, way back in Genesis, Genesis, it's the nation. It's not the select group of people that later became the Jews who thought that they were that. God all along said that it's going to be nations, Jew and Gentile. And, and part of, and I've said this before, Paul, what part of Paul is doing with the Jews is like, he, in, in Romans he's arguing, the, the Gentiles didn't have that Torah. If you're saying they have to be saved by keeping the works of Torah, 
and they didn't have the Torah, how are they supposed to get saved without knowing the works of the Torah? Oh, they have to become circumcised. They have to enter in. They have to start obeying. They have to start doing. And then they will become one of us. And then they can be saved. No. God already knew. And the beauty, I'm trying to get you to see the beauty of this. This passage in 9, Romans 9, is going back to Abraham who... Doesn't matter what popular opinion is. He's not a Jew. He wasn't a Jew. He was never a Jew. And as a matter of fact, he was a Gentile. He was a Gentile non-Jew. And he's dealing with Romans, this work versus grace versus law versus grace, salvation by works and not. And he, and he pulls out this verse that deals with the fact that God all along has his truth for the nations. All right, wherever I was here. All right, six. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed. And we already know Paul says, that he didn't say seeds, he said the seed. Why? Because not all Israel are Israel. Just because you're the seed of Abraham, that's the fleshly seed. You are not of the seed of promise. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt Keep my covenant, therefore, thou in thy seed after thee in their generations. See, there's a dual application here that Paul latched onto, probably because of his, his, his revelation he got in the third heaven, perhaps. There's two things. The Hebraic minds, the Gentiles, uh, uh, Greek, it has to be linear, and it just makes sense step after step. Hebraic thinking is, yeah, it's, 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 it's neither or, it's both. It's not one or the other. So yeah, is it the nations? Yes. But Paul is getting them to see something they should have seen. There's a dual application. And God said unto the nine, Thou shalt keep my covenant after thee, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which he shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt you and me. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money or any stranger which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, the soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my Covenant. Now, this is sort of an aside. Here's the thing. Any boy that is circumcised either at eight days or early or sometime thereabouts wasn't there for it. Doesn't have a memory of it. I mean, he was there, but doesn't have a memory of it. Doesn't know what it looks like. Has no idea what it felt like. It's just all gone. Okay, he lives his life now as a circumcised child, but it wasn't there. Well, who was there? The parents. The older generation who had been 
circumcised at eight days. Now they have a son. And as we know, Abraham had to circumcise everybody. He got circumcised. But it's my new word. It was very visceral to the adults. How, how do I know that? Because I was there in the hospital when Isaiah was circumcised. And the doctor was kind enough to allow uh, Chris and allow me to be there to have a time of prayer and of, of what we believe, biblical dedication of uh, Isaiah to God and keeping in accordance with the commandment, the best we know how, to have the male child circumcised on the eighth day. And you hear about it, you read about it, you read about it here. I'd never seen a circumcision. I know uh, Luke has with Gideon and, and, and Torn, right? But most people have not witnessed a circumcision. This is very real to these people. This is very, very real stuff. And God is taking that precise action to make sure that everyone from Abraham on has a graphic illustration of what it means to be bound to God in covenant through blood. Right? of which Yeshua was the ultimate fulfillment. That's just an aside. 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram, Abraham fell, fell on his face and laughed. This is so good. Come on, God. Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I wish I knew. Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that's ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Abraham, you're not getting it. It's not the child of the flesh. Come on here. It's a child of promise that I'm after. <laughs> he's, he's a dumb Gentile like we are. 19, and God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I've blessed him. I'm going to make him fruitful. He'll multiply exceedingly. Twelve princes he's going to beget. I'll make him a great nation. But... My covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abram. Abraham, whoosh, can you imagine? Again, yeah, put the whoosh. What in the world just happened? You know, this is like better than any Star Trek episode. It's real. All right, 23. And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and had a blood fest. It just, I, you know, we, my aunt had a, had a turkey farm, and we killed 500 turkeys every year. And the way she did it, put it through that funnel, and she'd take a knife up their throat, blood. The trough was filled with blood. The subside next day, fill up blood. Blood everywhere! Graphic image, the life of the flesh is in the blood. 
So every male, 23 at the end, of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the self same day as God had said unto him, 24. And Abram, Abraham was 90 years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the self same day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael, his son. And all the men of his house, born in the house, and bought with money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. Now we're going to read a few more verses in 18. But you understand, when Paul talks about what he's talking about in Romans, these people, especially the Jews whose mind knew this, they're going back to this graphic illustration. And, and this is like, you know, this is like taking something that was a cartoony animated thing and, and taking technology these days and make it into this thing you can't tell if it's real or not or both. Very graphic, very real. All right, 18. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, in his small L-O-R-D, well, it's not yod he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort, and comfort ye your hearts. After that shall ye pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as I said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah said, hey, honey, would you, gosh, I hate to do this to you, but could you just, God, we got guests that have showed up. Honey, I told you, let me know when people are coming. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't know. They just kind of popped out out of nowhere, you know, like Cleopas and his friend were walking down to the maze and Jesus popped up, you know, because Abraham already saw Jesus, foresaw Jesus. We're told that. I don't know what that means. But anyway, I'm, I'm being dumb here. So anyway, honey, come on, could you please... Uh, uh, where am I? Hey, honey, would you please make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth? And by the way, this is what I'm going to do. Abraham ran unto the herd, fetched a calf, tender and good, and, and gave it unto a young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And then, like a servant, he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where's Sarah, thy wife? And he said, Ah, oh, she's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old, well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, gosh, God, after I am waxed old, am I going to have pleasure with this ugly bag of mostly water that's all shriveling up? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which an old is anything too hard for Yehovah, Yodhev? At the time appointed will I return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah did like all of us do. <laughs> no, God, you know, we forget God really sees, God really hears. No, 
you know, and, and, she, and she said, uh, oh, Sarah, no, I didn't laugh. Why? She's scared to death. And he, he said, no, but thou didst laugh. Now, this also connects us to Romans chapter 9, the next part. Here are these guys, they come and have this great thing. They trek off now, and the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. And you have the whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which, if I can get back, go back to Romans 9, um, it, it, it also brings in Sodom, too. Um, i got to get there. And so... <laughs> Paul is connecting these dots. Verse 29, in as Isaiah saith before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been like unto Gomorrah. I never put that connection together with what we were told about the Sarah Abraham thing in Romans 9 and then bringing up Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I never put the two together, but it's right on the heels of the other. Hey, what are you doing here? Oh, good to see you. You are my angel unawares, Paul. Oh, so good to see you. I forget what I was saying now. I'm going to cry. Ah. Thank you, Paul, for showing up. Yeah. You know, I never put the connection together. And I'm thinking, I thought I knew the scriptures so well. All I did was follow a cross-reference and see how this whole chapter fits together in context and what in the world is Sodom and Gomorrah doing. If you read and you know, right after the visitors depart, they're headed off to Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know, I'm about done. What I am trying to do is what I told you I think Paul is trying to do in all of his writings. To put enough out there that for those that are really wanting to know the rest of the story, because he doesn't fill in all the dots, he doesn't give all the details, he's through messing around. He's through messing around. Jew and Gentile, his own people, I'm through messing around. I love you. I love you. I'm willing to give my life. God can do with whatever he wants. But I'm just through messing around. You should know. You're the people. The oracles of God have been entrusted into your care. You people should know, just like I should have. And I'm telling you where the answer is. You need to listen. But you won't. But God in his elective sovereign will is choosing out. And for those where God is dealing, I'm going to give just enough. And they will follow their heart's desire and be drawn by the Spirit of God to Yeshua. The rest of you, just like God said, they don't want to hear, give them closed ears and a hard heart. Yeshua talked in parables. Why? Same thing. I come to, I'm, I'm here for business. I don't have time with this foolishness. I'm looking for those that want the truth. I'm going to give you parables. Why do you talk like that? Because those that want to hear will hear those that don't. I don't have time for this. I'm on a mission. Why? He has to get to the goal. He has to fulfill the Torah. Why? so that we can live out, the, live out the Torah as God initially had always planned it to be lived out by faith. Yeshua didn't, you know, I have to think, this is my stupid, and I'm almost done, this is my, my childlike faith. I have to think if the Torah that was made flesh was on this earth and he came to do away with, according to that neat little diagram, two-thirds of himself, he would have told somebody something. 
And I've always pictured, what part of that Torah would he cut off? He needs his whole body. You know, he didn't walk around with, I don't need this leg, and by the way, I can have a crutch, and it'll work out. And all this eye here is wonderful, but, you know, I mean, if I want to, I can create another one anyway. He didn't come around and cut himself off. He's a Torah made flesh. He came to establish it, to show that he was the end point. You arrive at me, you arrive at the beginning. You take a train to a destination, but the destination is not the end point. It's to get you where you need to go to go to why you're there for the, for in the first place. He's not the end of the journey. He just gets you to the beginning of the journey. And that's what Paul is trying to get his dear people to see. Guys, you are swimming in your own ignorance. Please listen, he's saying. Here are your own scriptures. Go back if you so desire. Go back and search the scriptures to see if you are of the seed or not. So I ask you, are you of the seed of faith? Are you of the seed of faith? Or has it been works? I'm a good independent fundamental Baptist. I'm a good Catholic. I'm a good Presbyterian. I, I've always gone to church. I, I keep the Ten Commandments minus one. We don't talk about that. I keep the Ten Commandments. I'm good. I love my neighbor. I'm not asking that. Do you know that you are of the seed of promise? Do you know that you are Abraham's child? John the Baptist said, I don't want to hear about this, guys. God is able of those stones to bring to life children to Abraham. Stones have no blood. It's not through human heritage. It's through the blood of the sacrificial lamb when John says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Oh, this is so good. All I'm trying to do is whet your appetite, folks, to get into this book. It is alive. You don't because you think you know enough and you can kind of coast from day to day and skip a meal, skip a meal, skip a meal. I know enough. No, you don't. None of us do. Even the Apostle Paul, when he got saved in the road to Damascus, and had the vision. He didn't have enough. He had to go to the third heaven to meet with God and give him stuff that he couldn't even tell us, but it's filtered throughout here. You don't know it all. And I've been saved 45 years now, and finally Romans is becoming this great book. And I'm reading, and I, oh, I know this story about Abraham and Sarah and Ishmael and all that stuff. No! I don't. And why in the world is Sodom and Gomorrah doing there anyway? Well, you dummy, if you just go back and read, you find out I left from that wonderful occasion to go. And I had to do this horrible stuff at Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's all this neat package put together. Here's the children of promise. Bang, I'm going over here. <sighs> the children of the flesh. It's right there. It's right there. This is why I believe, i got to be careful here. I don't believe this completely. But let's say, I have to say it like this. The Jews have been immersed in the scriptures for so long, they naturally see stuff sometimes that we, we don't see. And I think there's wisdom in... I don't even know what I was going to say. Let's end it there. I'm getting to where Judy's going to say, please, more shots, good enough. 
So anyway, I'm trying to whet your appetite to search the scriptures, to study the scriptures, to see you don't know it all. I don't know it all. There's more there, folks. Nothing new. I'm not seeking new revelation, new visions, new, new dreams, no any of that. No, no, it's all right there. And honestly, I do think coming, this messianic thing that God is doing, I believe we're in the end days, it's winding down. I think Yeshua is preparing his bride. He's doing what he said he's going to do. He's going to bring the, the two houses together, make it one, and he's uniting us under what? The Torah. And as he does so, he's purifying a people for himself be ready for his return. And I think that's what this is all about. Search the scriptures. Folks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I'm glad, you know, God, I'm so glad I'm still childlike when I come to this book. I, I, I just am. I'm so filled with wonder. It's like the first time seeing a butterfly. A little child sees a butterfly and they're just so enamored with that thing. I just, it's a gift. I don't know. I just thank you that every day I come to this book, I'm like that little child that's seeing the butterfly for the first time. And I just thank you that this book has not lost its wonder or its pull. And you've kept the desire alive in me. And I don't know, God. And I just, it's like, thank you. That's all I know to say. So anyway, Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you what you've done for, through Yeshua. Thank you that he's fulfilled this Abrahamic promise of the seed, uh, of, of promise of faith. And thank you that I was saved back in 73 and you've kept me into this day. And I believe that you will until my time comes or Yeshua comes. And even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise. Yeah. Freedom does not away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and your oh, oh, oh.